0: This is Radio Broccoli. Radio Broccoli has been entertaining patients at the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital for 50 years now. The reason it's been here all that time? Hundreds of volunteers giving up days, weeks, and months of their free time. I'm Molly Townsend. In this five-week series, we'll hear the story of Radio Broccoli from some of the people who helped run it over all those years. Today, in part three of our story, we look back over the 70s and 80s, from bedfishers to marathon broadcasts, and early appearances for some of Radio Broccoli's longest-serving members. We'll hear from Ian Downs, Mike Shelton, David Rouch, Ron Labour, Keith Reed, and Barry Cobden. This is the story of Radio Broccoli.
1: So far as the requests were concerned, I can remember that we actually had quite a variety of requests. Pop music, fairly obviously, though not as obvious as it might appear, because not all of our listeners were youngsters. We did go over to the children's wards in those days. Well, there was a children's ward, which was for very young children, and then there were two wards where there were adolescent boys and girls. And they were quite happy to give us requests, but of course we couldn't necessarily play all their requests because we didn't always have the music that they wanted, and it was expensive to keep up a up-to-date collection of the very latest, most successful pop music.
2: My, my memory is that it was very heavy on the Carpenters. <laughs> that's that's my memory. It used to drive me mad because I've never been that big a fan of the Carpenters, but then they've never been a great fan of mine, so that's, that works terribly well.
0: 1971 saw the arrival of Radio Broccoli's longest-serving member, David Rouch, who is currently a trustee and our bedside bingo caller of the last 28 years.
1: I can't remember if it was me or one of us did as we always do from time to time put an item in the local paper about Radio Broccoli looking for volunteers I was 21 at that time just out of college long hair beard clapped out old Triumph Herald and I got this phone call from this gentleman who had seen the article in the paper uh, and he said he'd like to volunteer
3: I heard about this thing called hospital radio. In fact, I heard about it in at university. I was at Oxford, and there was a big station there. And I found out about it. But at the time, they wanted people who were going to be there full-time, and obviously I was only going to be there during term time. And uh, in those days, term time was about eight weeks. <laughs> and eventually, I was pointing the direction of the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital. At the time, I lived not that far away in uh, Golders Green. And... I was given a contact number which put me in touch with one of the founder members, Barry Hobden, and I phoned Barry, he
1: invited me up. So I said, well, well I'll describe to him how to get to the studio and we'll meet. How will I recognise you? And he said, well, I've got a beard and I drive a Triumph Herald, which I will always remember as being, oh, me too, okay.
2: All new people were in a little bit shy. and you know, and Dave was certainly one of those as I was in my early days and certainly when you're presenting being very self-conscious about what you're doing but like everything in the, in time you just learn get used to it and uh, rely on a little bit of feedback and hopefully do a good job he had almost exactly the same hairstyle as he has today uh, he, he was a leader in his field I would say because I had a thick head of hair in those days I have absolutely none left now um, and uh, he was a little bit as difficult to believe, but he was a little bit nervous at first. But he soon got. I mean, I, I remember some of the the others of, of our members. I mean, Keith Reeve being a bag bag of nerves when when he started. Um, but uh, it didn't take either of them long to get over that until they were really confident behind a mic.
1: And we became good friends. Radio Broccoli benefited considerably from Dave's organisational ability. And he picked up on the bingo, which was already running at that time, and made it his own, and has done so very successfully for over 40 years. In those days, the
3: average stay in the hospital was about three months. And the way we worked then was that on Sunday we would have a game bingo, as we still do, and after the bingo, we'd collect up requests. And then the presenter of the request would take the requests home and produce the programmes for the following week. So we collected the requests on the Sundays. At that time, we only broadcast on Sunday and Wednesday. So there were a request show on Wednesday and a request show on Sunday. And the requests that were collected on the Sunday were the basis for the following week. So fairly early on, I started going up covering award ward for bingo and after a month or two i sat in and sort of co-presented the requests i learned to engineer fairly early on as well because that was one of my interests and uh, so yes I had no voice test i just came in and did it i remember the uh, first record that i played was uh, we've only just begun by the carpenters which uh, was and still are one of my favorite groups and the next one was chirpy chirpy cheep cheep which was a uh, a request at the time and I remember the first joke that I cracked on Radio Broccoli which was associated with chirpy, chirpy 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 you know, why do birds fly south in winter because it's far too far to walk.
0: 1973 was the year the first Radio Broccoli phone-out took place, which continued to run as an annual event until the 1990s.
1: The phone-out became quite an interesting activity and here I'm going to pay tribute to the person whose idea it was, to whom I've been married for nearly 41 years my darling wife, and she it was who came up with the idea, and I don't know if it was unique at that time, but she didn't know about it being carried out elsewhere. She said, well, you can go into the wards with your OB equipment, your roving microphones, can't you? And I said, yes, we can. And she said, you've you've recently managed to find enough money to have your own telephone line, can't you? And we had, so that we could do normal <laughs> things with telephones find people up with that but also because the telephone could be used on air she said well why don't we put the two things together and this was around about just before christmas one year and i can't remember which year and she said you can go into the wards and you can interview people and you can phone their relatives at home and put them in touch over christmas when sadly Some people have to stay in hospital because of the nature of their injuries and they can't get home and their relatives can't get here and it's an important part of the year when people like to be together as families.
3: Um, If you were making an international call you wouldn't be doing it from a phone box because you couldn't put the money in quickly enough. The phone calls were very expensive so we covered the cost of the calls. The catch was of course that everybody could listen in but we conducted a three-way conversation between the presenter here in the studio the patient in the ward and the relative at home and then after a sort of three-way chat, the presenter would sort of duck out give the patients and their relative at home a chance to have a quick chat and then we play some music and move
2: on. Nobody had mobile phones. Um, Phoning in was not that easy because I think there was one phone in fact there was, in the wards there was one phone on a trolley with a, a jack plug which you could plug in at various points in the ward if you had a, an incoming call each ward had one so it was a bit
1: difficult the most moving thing was when you had somebody perhaps from the United States or Australia and it was a wild success and I used to present the programme and it carried on for a number of years
2: I think it was very, very successful actually uh, f- it was way ahead of its time and very successful.
0: 1974 was the year that another of Radio Broccoli's long-serving members, Ron Laver, first arrived.
4: I first got involved with Radio Broccoli in 1974 uh, via a friend, a guy called uh, Chris Osborne. I used to work with him at BT and i have been thinking about hospital radio for some time. In fact, I'd, I'd already made one or two abortive sorties into local radio stations, but sort of didn't really take to some of the people I saw. So Chris said, you know, I, I was talking to Chris at work and he told me what he did here at uh, Stanmore and said, why don't you come along and give it a try? And that's what happened. And um, they haven't been able to get rid of me since. He was always tremendous fun.
2: It was always a pleasure to, to, to sit in with or listen to Ron. He was always very jolly. I do, I do remember that, and uh, he was absolutely right for, for the job from the word go.
0: 1976 saw one of Radio Broccoli's most ambitious fundraisers to date a bed push from here in Stanmore, down the Edgware Road to the RNOH's other base in Great Portland Street, and all the way back again.
2: I was there. I was one of the people pushing the bed. And it was the furthest I'd ever walked in my life, and I was dressed as a nurse. And uh, we were we were pushing this bed round the borough of Harrow, rattling our tins, collecting things, and holding up traffic
4: we straight down the, the uh, what was the A5, the Edgware Road, um, right up into the, into the centre of town, around Marble Arch. The hospital lent us a bed, which I think was fairly stripped down so it was lightweight as it possibly could be. We had a patient who was, I think, actually a nurse... We got a fairly small nurse, and I think she acted as the patient sat on the bed, and then you know there must have been twenty or thirty of us pushing this. We weren't all; we'd all take it in turns to push, and we were rattling buckets and uh, you know collecting money as we go. We uh, started here in the morning, left about half past nine, ten o'clock. We set up a
3: a trailer with with a bed on it. You can't push a bed that sort of distance. It just is not physically possible. So we put it onto a trailer, we put bunting on it, it was there, we pushed it, we had a van as a support unit to make sure we all had water and stuff like that. In the end we got up to Marble Arch. We were outside the cinema at Marble Arch in the traffic and obviously the car was looking at us rather than where we were going and drove into the car in front of it. It was a Rover 2000 as I recall and it uh, certainly burst its radiator My guess is that the cost of that repair was probably more than we managed to collect on the day, although we did manage to collect a a few hundred pounds, which in 1976 was a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but it was a tremendous amount of money
1: then. On the day we collected, and I will always remember it, £706. We got the sponsorship, we eventually got... £1,400 I think as a result of the whole activity which was a huge amount of money for us at that time. A fabulous day, very hard work, we were really tired and we raised quite a lot of money, it was good fun.
4: The idea we were all going down the pub afterwards and I think a lot of them did but I just, my wife and I, we arrived back here and and just fell into our car and said, "I'm sorry, we've had it. We're, we're going home."
2: But I think it was after that we decided to uh, confine ourselves to flag days because they were less strenuous and less likely to get us killed.
0: 1977 was the year that another long-serving member of Radio Broccoli first arrived at the studios here, Keith Reeve.
5: Well, I was a patient of the R and um, up to that year. My last period as an instay inst- inst- was. Um, August 77 and that was the first time I became aware that there was a hospital radio station here um, and I had a request played by a chap called Phil Legs Bryson um, that evening after bingo uh, and it was Emerson Lake and Palmer's Fanfare for the Common Man and um, about a week or two later a friend of mine Eric Hall who was a good mate of mine at school was interested in getting into media and he'd seen uh, an article in our local paper and that was the days when the art, the uh, local papers were broadsheets and this was virtually half a page where um, they were advertising for volunteers at Radio Broccoli.
1: Keith Reeve has been an absolutely unreplaceable member of Radio Broccoli over a number of years. He is, of course, an ex-patient from the hospital and understands the benefit that hospital radio accrues to patients who are in hospital for a very long period of time he and I have become good friends and his operational and managerial abilities are incredibly helpful to Radio Broccoli and has been the case right up to this day
2: Keith uh, has devoted huge volumes of of time and a huge portion of his life to the organisation dedicated confident, professional Uh, and Keith, if my check is not in the post I'd like to know exactly where it is I'll I'll accept back's transfers but um, I take my hat off to Keith for what he's put into Radio Broccoli as I do to the legend that is Dave Rouch
0: In the 1970s, Radio Broccoli got its own theme tune one which would go on to keep for around 40 years but did you know it was actually a cover version? Alan Joyce explains
5: Well, the Radio Broccoli theme tune started life as a disco record in the 1970s. The track was actually by a group called Ultra High Frequency with a song called We're on the Right Track. So this is how the original sounded. Now the B-side of that song was an instrumental to which the Radio Broccoli theme tune was recorded, which went like this:
2: It's Radio Broccoli, Radio Broccoli,
1: now. It's Radio Broccoli, Radio Broccoli,
6: now.
3: I can't remember exactly which birthday it was. It could have been as early as the 10th. So it's all about 40 years ago. We were thinking of doing a revamp, we've been going 10 years, it would be nice to have something new. And uh, one of our members, a guy called Neil Southwick, who was a BBC sound engineer, uh, he'd recently joined, we looked around, we were talking to him. Suddenly on our birthday, we were having celebrations, he came along with this tape with our new theme tune to it. He found the bit of music, presumably in the back of a, I think it was a B-side of a record, it wasn't a big hit, certainly wasn't a big hit but he came along with this tape and we uh, played it, and we've been using it ever since. So it's a great song, very happy and appropriate. And I think what, whatever the words were at the time, they still stand the test of time. So it was a really good, and really nice guy. Neil sadly passed away uh, many years ago, but um, fondly remembered. And every time we hear the music, we think of Neil.
0: 1979 was the year that Radio Broccoli recorded the official opening of the Graham Hill Unit with His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales.
1: The Graham Hill Unit, which was a building which is just across from where Radio, Radio Broccoli's studio is now, was being opened as a daycare unit, somewhere where patients could go, their relatives could come, they could sit and have a cup of tea, there was a section whereby those people who were able could carry on some sports activities. And it was opened by His Royal Highness, uh, the Prince of Wales.
5: We carried one of our extremely large reel-to-reel recorders up to the patient centre. Um, and these things were not lightweights and they're not, they weren't really designed to be portable. But we took the machine up there. Barry devised a way of connecting, I think it was two microphones, to directly into the machine. And one stood in front of the lectern where... Um, Prince Charles addressed the the the, uh, the the gathering, and there was another one next to it, I think, for the the, the chairman of um, the Friends at the time to make a separate speech. I, I seem to remember, and it took place in the old lounge of the patient centre, and uh, we we ran a very long pair of cables from that lounge round the corridors into the office, as was in the patient centre, where we simply recorded it on a reel to reel very crude, but it worked.
1: I don't even think we actually bothered to get permission. I think we presumed that it would be worthy of circulating around the hospital for those people who weren't able to physically get into the Graham Hill unit on that day of the opening to see the opening taking place. I think it went down very well. We recorded it. Goodness knows what's happened to the recording. Keith Reeve was active in the technical realisation of that. It was these days actually a very simple task. In those days, for an amateur and charitable organisation, quite a difficult task to achieve. I'm very pleased with what happened. We did record it. It did go out live and the Graham Hill unit benefited patients of the hospital for many, many years thereafter, and people who were here at the time, who were going to benefit from it, who were in their beds, could hear it being opened.
5: Was I nervous? No, I don't think I was. I knew Barry was, a, and is, a very proficient sound engineer, so I had no worries this was going to work, and I was pleased to be part of it, and again, it's another thing I picked myself into, and I learnt from it.
0: So as Radio Broccoli moved into the 80s, more new shows emerged and the Tuesday team featuring Ron Laver were leading the way with their imaginative use of technology.
4: There was a group of us, Sue Weston, who's who's still a regular member here at the hospital, um, Steve Mitchell and uh, Paul Williamson. And Paul really, again, was one of these that liked to make use of taped inserts. Uh, Now at this stage, we'd moved to cassettes, and so it made it a little bit easier although with a cassette you have to rewind it and try and find the slot but what paul used to like to do and and i generally used to engineer these shows was paul used to like every week he had to be somewhere different I think I think the whole thing started because he wasn't very good at getting up here in time for his show. So the usual thing was we'd be sitting here at 5 to 9 thinking is he going to make it and he'd rush in and sit down and and we'd go off and uh, and I think I said to him, you know, one day Paul, we're going to you're going to have to phone it in because you know, it's you're not going to get here in time. He said, "Oh, that's an idea." But it went on from that and uh, the, the sort of the sort of things he then did. We did a uh um he decided he'd, he'd, he'd do a show from the underground. Okay, today the the premise is today I'm stuck at work and I haven't been able to get back to the studio. So I'm speaking to you live from the London Underground. Um another one he did was um um I remember it was a pancake day. So he decided he was gonna cook live in the studio. So again, he recorded all these sounds of, uh, you know, everything from from getting all the dishes out, clunking around, um, sound effects of washing up and things like that, and then making pancakes, uh, and the frying in the pan, and, and even, he even got a sound, I mean he actually did this at home, he actually made pancakes at home, so uh, with a little tape recorder, and he's whisking the eggs, and what it, I don't know, whatever you make pancakes with, pouring it in the pan, <laughs>
6: Still whisking away, whisking away. I've got some terrible lumps in me mixture at the moment. If anybody's uh, listening on the walls, and I hope they are, because uh, otherwise I'm wasting my time, 954-6591, can you please phone in and uh, give me a little bit of advice? That's 954-6591. Things aren't going quite as they should down, down here in uh, Williamson's kitchen. I've added me milk, and I've strained me. Oh, it says, it says here... <laughs> It says Stan, stand, the batter for one hour. Well, that's a bit rough, isn't it? Because I'm only off for about forty-five minutes, and I'm cooking it in the next next uh, three or four minutes. Never mind. I've put my uh, frying pan on, and uh, the next minute or two, I should have something resembling a pancake. You can hear the fat warming up in the background there. And I think the, the fat's getting a bit too hot now. <laughs> Nine five four six. You can hear what's going on. Nine five four six five nine one. If they could find in with any any further advice about how to put uh, kitchen fires out, for instance, or possibly even making pancakes, I'd be grateful.
4: Yeah, th- those were the sort of things we do on a Tuesday. It was a it was a really good time. It was it was really innovative, and it's the sort of radio I like doing, and I've always liked doing.
3: There were a number of programmes that I used to do that. Uh, I sort of remember fondly, I would like to do again. One of them was a programme which I do, still do occasionally on bank holidays called Record Roulette, and that is where you talk to a patient, interview them, you know, a bit like sort of down your way used to be, just have a chat. But instead of asking them to choose a record at the end, we ask them to pick a number, and then we find that record in our record library and play it. So neither I nor the patient has any idea... Of what record they're going to get sometimes they say well, what I really like is classical music they get a bit of heavy metal somebody likes a bit of country music and gets country music so it does happen you know without cheating we never fiddled it but uh, that worked quite nicely I think we still do that and I think it works fairly well. Okay well collectively what sort of music do you like? S Club
0: Seven. S Club Seven.
3: Okay well, what, um, what number did you choose?
0: A three. three two, yes. <laughs> number three,
3: two, one. Why did you pick that? It
0: just sounded like a good number at the time.
3: I promise you, this isn't a fix. <laughs> it really isn't a fix. But you've got an S Club Seven song. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> let's hear it.
0: 1985 saw the first of three broadcast marathons, where Radio Broccoli broadcast live shows for seven days in a row, 24 hours per day, and each presenter would do a 24 hour stint.
5: Yeah, they were they were epic. Um, basically, we decided to raise some money because the uh, the equipment, some of the equipment we had was getting quite old. The mixer that we'd uh, been uh, been constructed for us three years or so earlier by um, um, no, a couple of years earlier by Marconi in Stanmore wasn't particularly reliable. So we needed to do something else, and to do that, we needed money. So um, I think it was Steph Williamson again, um, or Steph Farley as she was, came up with the idea of doing a sponsored broadcast. And the idea was we did it in the patient centre because it was much more accessible to people. Um, Patients did genuinely used to use the building during the day if they were able to. Their their visitors came down. It was open seven days a week. And um, we set up a studio in, in, in the back room, in what used to be the games room, basically took it over for a week, um, somehow cobbled together a link that worked back to the studio, and we took all of our older kit up there, um, so our old turntables were dusted off and taken up there, one of our tape recorders, our uh, cartridge machines and things like that went up there, and we kept the core of the kit down here as a a, a backup, and b, it was, it was properly installed then, um, so it wasn't easily portable.
4: I do remember, again, it was with Paul Williamson and And Steve Mitchell, um, as a group, because in those days you you sort of tended to work with a group of people and and we were on on Tuesday nights, so I think we took a slot or a, a twenty four hour slot uh, amongst us and uh, but it was it was Paul Williamson and I that went through the night and uh i I remember it very clearly and we about sort of you got to about three or four o'clock in the morning there was probably no one listening to you uh, and you just you just were completely whacked because it was I, I think we used to start I, I think we probably started around lunchtime that was probably the changeover and of course during the afternoon and early evening there'd be lots of people around there'd be patients we were in the pa the reason we did it in the patient center because patients were being there with their family there were lots of people to interview and get requests from the nurses would come in and all the rest of it and then slowly as the evening you know and you'd have one or two broccoli members would stay but by midnight it was just the two of us so uh Paul said to me um, what we got in the way of classical records <laughs> so we we had a look through that and he found one sort of basically went on for about 25 minutes you know one of these concertos or, or overtures or whatever and uh, he said because I, I, I can't stay awake and I think there was a shower there was certainly wash basins but I think there was a shower in the in the patient center that was available and Paul said I'm I'm going to go and have a wash and a shower so we put this record on and he, and, and I said well if you're going to go for a shower I'm going to put my head down for half an hour so you know You'll be awake, and if I'm asleep, wake me up. So that's what we did. We put this, uh, we put this, and it was a course of record in those days, an out an LP record, and we put it on the turntable, and off Paul went. I put my head down, and I, I think I fell asleep. I wouldn't have had much much trouble, um, and uh, I mean, I'm 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 just thinking back now. Those records in the old days were prone to sticking and jumping, and you know, I mean, anything could have happened. But we we you know that we seem to get get through it um john barnes
5: footballer he was still at watford at that time uh, hadn't been signed by liverpool and he lived in stanmore um i think he had a connection with the rnoh possibly through you know his sporting connections anyway um he agreed to come up and do an interview with us uh, during the marathon so the week before the marathon i was here on the wednesday evening uh doing technical stuff preparing for it and there was a knock on the door i opened the door and john barnes is standing there and he said i've come to do the interview for the marathon i said oh um i'm sorry john you're a week early he said oh right he said when's it starts i told him and he said "Oh, i'll come back next week and he did he turned up at the patient center the following week um and he was a really nice guy the kids loved it he went up in the wards as well you know it was brilliant you know he was he was becoming quite a household name as a footballer and I don't think he did his reputation any harm at all by uh, by visiting us.
0: On next week's programme we'll look back on the 90s and the noughties the era of new technology new show format
6: Now
1: it's time
6: for Buster
0: And the birth of 24 hour broadcasting
4: I think the most important thing the 24 hour broadcasting has allowed us to do is to think more about what we're here for, which is hopefully entertaining the patients, hopefully sort of being a friend to them and a friendly voice.
0: The story of Radio Broccoli continues.